Yeah, we I know we often talk about how much they've changed the course of music, but really what they did for society, like the way they changed the way people think and look at things and the open-mindedness that people have. You're listening to Something Will Happen, a podcast about the largest Beatles music festival in North America, Abbey Road on the River. It takes place every Memorial Day weekend in Jeffersonville, Indiana. If you're a music fan of any kind, you gotta come. We have up to six stages playing music all day long by almost 50 Beatles and classic rock tribute bands, food trucks and drinks, awesome art installations, merchandise and art vendors, and a playground for kids. Whether you're new to Abbey Road on the River or you're a festival regular, you'll find something you love. This is Something Will Happen. Something Will Happen at Abbey Road on the River. Come join us. I'm such a weirdo when we start these. <laughs> All right, let's do uh, some story time. Um, it's, it's Melissa and Emily with some Beatles story time on this podcast. Hi, Emily. How's it going? Hi, good. How are you? I'm great. And I can't wait for this story that you're going to tell me. I <laughs> uh, no, I'm just excited for season two. It's going to be great. Season yeah, season two. We're here. Who, yep. who would have thought we this podcast and now we're in our second season. We're podcasters. I know. We're officially podcasters. It's weird. Okay. Um, cool. We're going to talk about um, Beatles and how they affected segregation. Yeah. So today I'm going to tell the story of when the Beatles played in Jacksonville, Florida, which I mean, it, most people who are familiar with like Beatles history, they know that that was one where that the stadium segregated and the Beatles said they would not play to a segregated crowd. But there's actually a lot more to that story than I initially thought when once I started researching it. And yeah, it's really, really interesting. That's awesome. So the story technically for me starts with the Civil Rights Act. On July 2nd of 1964, President Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act into law. Now, this was a huge win for the civil rights movement, and among other things, this act made the segregation of public spaces illegal. Now, unfortunately, we know that passing a law doesn't just stop discrimination in its tracks. Many people, especially in the South, were determined to, you know, hold on to their ways and the Jim Crow era that they had grown up in. And one of these places was the Gator Bowl Stadium in Jacksonville, Florida. In open defiance of the Civil Rights Act, they continued to segregate their audience. Now, the Beatles were scheduled to perform at that stadium on September 11th of 1964, so just, you know, a few months after the Civil Rights Act passed. And when they heard that the show was going to be segregated, they put out a statement five days before the show that they would refuse to play if that were the case. They made it very clear that they would cancel the show before playing to a segregated audience. Now... Some people in Florida did not appreciate that the Beatles had to say that. The day after their statement was released, the Florida Times Union released an editorial titled Beatlemania is a Mark of a Frenetic Era, in which they basically called the band a passing fad and implied that they weren't smart enough to comment on political and social issues. Mm, Right. Yeah, like these are these are just musicians, just 20 something kids, which is crazy to me because now looking, you know, through a 2022 lens, like when I think of the Beatles, 
I think of political and social issues and how they've impacted them. And so during the time they were like, you don't get a say in this. But before they even got to Jacksonville, the Beatles were facing a different problem in the stop before. The group performed two shows in Montreal on the 8th. Sadly, they also had to deal with anti-Semitism on this tour as well as the racism. So the group was receiving death threats in Montreal, specifically targeting Ringo, because apparently the people sending the threats thought he was Jewish. Yes, which, not that it matters, but Ringo isn't even Jewish. Um, And although they've been quoted about taking threats like this in stride, this one actually kind of scared them. Um, So more police were added to the protective service, and there were a few officers stationed, like, right next to Ringo on the stage. And there's a quote from Ringo talking about this. And he says, um, I started to get hysterical because I thought if someone in the audience has a pop at me, what is this guy going to do? Is he going to catch the bullet? Like, he's like, what? I mean, there's a guy sitting next to me, but what really is that going to do if someone tries to shoot? So they were all kind of scared and nervous because of the, the death threats. And so they ended up leaving Montreal early instead of like staying as long as they were gonna and headed to Jacksonville. Luckily, Montreal, it, they finished the shows without its incident and were able to, to head on. Wow, I never knew that. Yeah, like they were, they, I always heard about the, the segregation incident, but I, you didn't realize that they were just heading off like days before we're dealing with all of this too. Mm-hmm. Now, on top of the threats and the tensions around the segregation issue, there was also another problem. Florida was hit by a hurricane that week. Of course it was. <laughs> yeah, the band tried to fly to Jacksonville on the 9th, but the plane was diverted to Key West because of Hurricane Dora. They didn't actually arrive in Jacksonville until the morning of the show on the 11th. And even though the storm had passed, it was still super windy and the evidence of damage was clearly visible. Like there were down trees, large areas were without power. And because of the hurricane, the, the stadium was supposed to seat 32,000 people and 9,000 of them didn't even come because of the hurricane. Wow. Eventually, yeah, it was crazy. Um, eventually the, sh- the venue did cave on its segregation policy. And the group slowly made their way to the show after all of this that had happened before. But also, they're still the Beatles. And so everywhere they go, they're just bombarded with people. So it takes them forever to get from one place to another place to another. Um, So once they were there, there were over 200 police officers and firefighters there to keep people from rushing the stage. Because this was also their first stadium performance. Oh, really? Yeah, they had performed at least at least their first stadium performance on this tour. I'm not sure if they had before, but they were playing at like venues and this one had a lot more people. And so they had to have like police officers and firefighters there to make sure no one was rushing the stage. Um, And then also there was just a hurricane. The winds were so strong that the drum kit had to be like secured to the stage. And there's a quote from Ringo talking about how his hair was like blowing in the wind, but the drum kit was fine because it was, yeah, Ringo was at, he was having a tough week. (laughs) (laughs) What did I sign up for? (laughs) Get me back to Rory Storm, Rory Storm, the hurricane. (laughs) Yeah, but 
Yeah, the drum kit was secured. They decided not to segregate the audience, so the show must go on. And I actually, I found a quote from someone who attended the show, um, Dr. Kitty Oliver. She's a Black journalist and historian who's from Florida, and she was a teenager at the time. And in a blog post she wrote, she recalls being at the performance and uh, she says, the room chilled as I walked into a sea of white faces. I sat in silence with elbows drawn in tight to make sure I did not actually accidentally brush an arm and spark an outburst. So, you know, all of these Beatles fans, all of these black Beatle fans were coming to this and they were expecting it to be segregated because it always had been. And they realized that it wasn't. And so they're nervous walking around in this, you know, environment and like, oh, this, this isn't how it normally goes. What is this going to be like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But once again, the show must go on. This is like the fourth time the show must go, (laughs) must go on. So once all seemed ready to go, there was one more hurdle to face before the band would play. There was a crowd of unauthorized cameramen in the front trying to film their performance. They had been following the band throughout the tour and they had already been told to stop. And so when the band saw them in the front row, they said they wouldn't play until they were removed. But the promoters didn't care and they weren't trying to remove them. They just were like, we don't care. You're here to play, play. And they wouldn't budge. And so eventually their publicist, Derek Taylor, had to make an announcement from the stage. And he said, the Beatles are 100 feet away. They came thousands of miles to be here. The only thing preventing their appearance is the cameraman. And he just made the announcement from the stage to everyone. And this, there's thousands and thousands of people in this stadium. Yeah, well, the promoters weren't doing anything. And so he was like, this is how I'm going to get them to leave. And so the reaction from the crowd, because everyone's amped up, like they want to see the show, they want to hear the Beatles. And so at the reaction of the crowd, the cameramen leave and they're escorted out by some police officers. They're like, yeah, let's go ahead and head out. Only then did the Beatles finally come out and they played a 30 minute set featuring 12 songs. And then it was over. which that was their standard back then like Like, concerts are much longer now but like that was their set they came out but all of that you know everything leading up to them going on there and playing 12 songs and then they had to leave for the next stop wow yeah it was they did it they did it and they didn't let anyone push them around they didn't they stood their ground in multiple spaces you know like they were getting death threats because of anti-semitism which is ridiculous and then the segregation thing they were like and that was thirty-two thousand people a sold out stadium and they were like we don't care if we don't get paid for this we're not going to go if it's segregated and so even though it was just a 30 minute set i think their their reach has lasted it way longer than 30 minutes you know we still think about like oh yeah they stood up and we're like we're not doing this right and they like they made the stadium change yeah that's a bold thing to do when making lots of money especially filling a stadium but you know the money didn't matter to them Mm -hmm. their fans did yeah and i mean it was 64 so that's still pretty early on yeah in their run and even then they were like nope 
you know, we're going to stand for what we believe in and it's not this. Yeah. Wow. That's good for them. I didn't realize that. What a week. Of course they like quit touring after. Yeah. Which, and that other than um, going to Miami for the Ed Sullivan show, I believe that was the only time they performed in Florida, which after all that, I understand. <laughs> like, we're okay. We don't need to go back to Florida. Like, there was a hurricane like, last oh, time. Island in Greece or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wow, that's great. But, I mean, what a cool story. Just to have all the details, you know, the way you laid it out. Puts it all into context that time. Because I don't think people realize now. It's just like, oh, they didn't. They refused to play for a show until, you know, and then they played it you know like yeah and about the whole story the whole story of like what they were going through with all of the other stuff too like the death threats and the other shows and and there was a whole hurricane like that's yeah. you know in their way and then also the touch and go-ness i i'm not sure if this piece of information is correct because i've only seen it on one of the articles which i'll have all of the uh my sources on the show notes on the website but uh i read somewhere that it was five hours before the show that the stadium finally said, okay, we won't segregate. So like up to the wire, they were still fighting about this for, you know, one 30 minute show where they were just like, nope. Yeah. Good for them. More reasons why we love the Beatles. (laughs) Yes. That's bold. That's some scary stuff that they had to face. It is. And you don't think about like, bands on tour unless you are a performer like how hectic it is for them because when you see them you're just seeing them in one spot like you see them once and you're like yeah that's great but they're doing it every night like they're traveling they're going like it's non-stop for them and yeah. these types of instances were non-stop for them where it's like okay what's the next problem <laughs> yeah right yeah it's just crazy what all they went through it is crazy yeah and yeah, really <laughs> makes me understand why they quit touring. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they just did the two tours, I think, right? Um, I think so. Yeah, I believe this was the first American tour that this happened on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's great. But it's good to get the context in it and realize. I feel like we need to break down all these different things now <laughs> like chronological order <laughs> yeah There's that's so many podcasts about <laughs> all these different all all the Beatles history but that's awesome thanks for telling the story that was great you're welcome it was really interesting learning about it and learning yeah. everything that was going on for this one very short show to happen and you know because like I said I've always known about the segregation issue and just them saying they wouldn't and then it changed but learning all the context really puts it into perspective of like how much they fought to do what they thought was right oh and after this show they specifically put it into their contract that they wouldn't play to segregated shows um i'm not sure where the quote is but there's a quote somewhere where they were like we thought it was common sense but after this show we put it you know made sure it was there yeah yeah something they thought was obvious they were like Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I mean, they had been playing to integrated shows in Europe forever. They've played with, you know, black bands and black artists, and it was just a normal thing. Yeah. Well, good for them. 
<laughs> they changed they music with there. They changed, like, so much just with that, standing up for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, I know we often talk about how much they've changed the course of music, but really what they did for society, like the way they changed the way people think and look at things and the open-mindedness that people have. Yeah, right. Really, yeah. Yeah, not that they were the only ones pushing the envelope, but they definitely, they had a very large voice and they knew they had a large voice and decided to use it to progress yeah right yeah they definitely did why the 60s were the 60s yeah <laughs> and why music is what it is today cool well thanks for telling that story and Beatles story time <laughs> like, <laughs> a lot of fun. yeah no these stories are really fun the more I learn about them Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is good. It's good to have the background. I know I just said that, but. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Something Will Happen. And remember that Abbey Road on the River is happening May 25th to 29th, 2023. You can find all the details, get your tickets, book your hotels, see all the bands that are coming at AROTR.com. And if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, send us an audio recording of yourself to AROTR18 at gmail.com. Telling us your favorite memory or show from a festival in the past or what you're most excited about this coming year. Keep the fun going all year long by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and we'll see you in May. Something will happen.